Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Joining me in the studio today is Reviews editor Rebecca Franks, who's going to chat to me about the Christmas recording of the month, which is a wonderful recording on Signum of Brahms and Bruckner motets performed by the choir Tenebrae, conducted by Nigel Short. Um, These are two composers that are usually known for their symphonic output, so it's wonderful to hear them in a much more sort of intimate chamber setting, isn't it? It is. We do often think of them as symphonists, but actually they're both wonderful choral writers, Um, you know, Brahms, some of his, you know, there's there's the Requiem on one side of the, of the scale, of the large-scale works, and everything up to the Liebesleader waltzes, which are just some of his most joyous, wonderful, well-crafted music. So, um, and Bruckner as well, actually, you know, we think of him as this great architect of cathedrals of sound, but you get that, you get that same sense, but in these much smaller, uh, beautifully crafted miniatures here. So I think we're going to kick off, first of all, with one of uh, Bruckner's Equale, written for uh, three trombones, I think. Yes, this kicks off the disc, and we have the second one closing the disc later. It really sets the mood, I think, for this whole programme. And it's interesting, Equale sort of means equal voices, and they were often written for funeral services, and the trombone is this instrument that kind of symbolises can symbolise God. So it has this religious overtones, which really, again, sets the mood for, for the music we have to follow. And as we'll hear, of course, Bruckner uses the trombones with the choir, and which is a great effect, I think. But we'll hear the equale first.
So that was Bruckner's Equalis number one, written for three trombones. Um, we're going to hear next his Ecce Sacerdos, which was scored for choir and organ and trombone, um, written uh, for the bishop's entry into the new cathedral in Linz, where Bruckner was organist. Um, it's a wonderful piece, I think, and really, I, I, I think, shows Bruckner's real sym- symphonic writing. Actually, it's quite it's quite simple in many ways. Brahms is right, uh, Bruckner's writing, but I think that what he does is 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 use quite sort of unusual harmonic progressions i think to sort of give the music a real grandeur actually so although the music at, at first glance i think is quite simple on the page i think it does have a real complexity to it and it's nice to have that trombone coming back in here because it does I think the whole programme of this disc has been very well constructed and it's just a nice, neat illustration of that. And it's beautifully recorded as well. Bruckner's Ecce Sacerdos, it's quite interesting actually how much Palestrina there is, sort of Gregorian chant coming into this music, um, given the, the sort of, I suppose, the, the fashion of the day really was to bring back the old style into choral writing and bring back Gregorian chant to give a sort of a, a renaissance to, to choral music. And I think Bruckner is, is, is responding to that wonderfully. And it's interesting, isn't it, that we do think of these composers as being quite different in that, you know, Brahms was agnostic, a humanist, and, and Bruckner was Catholic and, you know, much more conservative. But actually, there are lots of points of, um, of crossover and Brahms too was had this huge respect for the past and huge knowledge of, of earlier music and we'll hear that in some of the, the later clips that we have from, from the Brahms work so again this interleaving of the two composers does throw up some interesting um, points of comparison Absolutely and you'll hear again that style come through in Bruckner's Ave Maria which is, again is a very slow moving but beautifully um, uh, wrought uh, piece of music with with just the most beautiful harmonic progressions, but again, it's got this real sort of hark back to um, composers like Palestrina and Lotti. Um, you, you can hear the lines moving within each other. It really isn't a sort of a nineteenth century piece. This is it's almost like Rachmaninoff's Vespers. You know, the sort of a hark back to those earlier um, earlier uh, plain chant. Um, and, and, it, and these these works are really infused with that 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 sort of ancient sound, if you like. What a beautiful performance by Tenebrae there. I mean, they, their blend is extraordinary, actually, and you can hear the lines, despite the fact that there's this overwhelming sound that they produce, you really can hear each individual part, and it's, I think it's beautifully done. It is. I think they have their phrasing. It's utterly wonderful, and 
they're, they're so committed to it. And as you say, there's this real clarity of the lines, but at the same time, you're sort of enveloped in this wonderful, glorious sound, which it is seems a, well seems recorded in, in that acoustic. And it seems a real love of the music as well. You can hear it almost in their voices. You know, you can almost hear them enjoying the music. Yes. Know, this isn't a straight performance. This is this is done by a choir who clearly relishes this this beautiful, rich sort of nineteenth century stroke sort of. Palestrina sound. Yeah, I mean, they they do their sort of tagline is uh, passion and purity, and actually, I think that <laughs> does kind of sum it up completely. It's not just a, it's not just a tagline. That's that is what their sound is. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And so, um, on the uh, the flip side of the coin, we've got Brahms also on this on this disc. A, a, a very interesting mix. Yes, I think when they decided when Nigel Short. Um, Sort of came up with with this project, and there's quite a, there is quite a sort of moving backstory to it, in that their sound engineer Andrew Meller um, lost his father to cancer, and this this whole disc sort of came out of that and a desire to to raise some money for a cancer charity. Um, when they decided, he, he Andrew Meller sort of suggested exploring this 19th century German repertoire, and I think Nigel Short instantly knew that he wanted to do some some Brahms, and particularly uh, the Brahms Opus 109 motets, which is the Festunt Gedenkspruche. Their German is much better than mine. Um, and I think maybe we could start by just hearing a clip from the second of those, uh, Wenn ein starker Gewappnetter, when a strong man armed. Uh, because again, it links back to what we were just saying about the Bruckner. It really shows off Brahms's knowledge of Bach and Schutz, its double choir writing, and it's, it's just glorious. So I think if we could start with that, that would be a good place. So that was the second of Brahms's Festunt Gedenksprüche, which was written uh, after he was given the freedom of Hamburg in 1889. And he decided to write these three motets, which are festi- festal and commemorative sayings, sort of for general national days. Um, there's, there's, there's a real sort of distillation, I think, of his symphonic writing. As, as uh, well, we discovered in the Bruckner, there is there's a real sort of sense that his symphonic writing is is pervading these choral works. You, you really get a sense that the choirs um, uh, have got the sort of capability of expressing that grandeur, really, and he writes that into the music brilliantly, I think. Mm, he does. I mean, as always with Brahms, ever the perfectionist, you know, these are beautifully crafted, beautifully crafted pieces of music. And I imagine, I'm not a singer, but I imagine a lot of fun and a, a challenge to sing. Um, I think Tenebrae really, as you say, they just get to, they just get to the heart of this music. And actually in another example, quite different in Phil, is the gorgeous Geistlicher's lead. And there's a part at the end when they're singing the Amen where it's, well, I think it was pretty much done in, in one take, but it's this... Oh, it's just a wonderful sound, really expansive and really, really glorious. And I think it'd be lovely to hear a clip from that, actually.
So that was the end of the Geistlicher's lead. Um, what's kind of remarkable about such a sort of miraculous piece is it actually comes out of this very strict, actually a set of counterpoint exercises, you know, a study, a, a technical thing. And out of this, he's wrought this wonderfully emotional beautiful piece. Yes, in anybody else's hands it would be probably you know, quite dry and would be an exercise that succeeded. But it is one of the most glorious moments, I think, in all choral repertoire. Yeah. And uh, yet, it, and as you say, it's, it's a very successful choral uh, contrapuntal exercise. Well, I suppose it makes you think of Bach, doesn't it? You know, when you're at that level and have you can do all these wonderful um, exercises and, and do all the mathematical stuff as well mm. uh, as the musical stuff. So the greatest musical architect. Mm, absolutely. That brings us to the end of our discussion of the Christmas recording of the month. I do hope you enjoyed it. Do join us next month when we'll be discussing the January issues uh, recording of the month. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes. <laughs>